everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm James, that's Katie, and of course, that makes this episode 34 of Circles and Squares. How you doing, Kate? I am fantastic. I had such a wonderful surprise the other day. In the mail came my Elden Ring sweater, and it is so incredibly hot here, but I have taken every little opportunity to wear it I can. I can. Like yesterday, I we intentionally put the f- extra fans on in the living room so it would get cold while we were playing games so I could wear my sweater. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, you got to get something out of the fridge. Oh, let me get my sweater. I'll, I'll go get that for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exciting. What's on the front of it? This is the one of the streamer um, you like, right? Yeah. So it's the Vaddy video one. Um, if you haven't checked out his video and your interest or his channel and your interest in souls games in the slightest he is like the definitive um lore connoisseur for the games so it's got his symbol on the front and then the back of it has got one of the elden ring bosses and what's cool about mine is he did like a promotion where the first however many um have like a slightly different design so i got one of like the limited edition ones and like nice nice it is super cool i i absolutely love it (laughs) yeah good for you well speaking of surprises and things we've gotten recently i have a surprise for well not for you you know this already but our listeners would be excited to know um i actually have an xbox now so yeah i bought myself an xbox series x and probably what was not the most financially responsible division or decision but you know (laughs) sometimes that's like the crux of being a gamer right you just you're not always uh thinking with your Ed, you're thinking with your your fun. Well, you're not always thinking with your logical part of your brain. You just want the fun stuff. So yeah, I have an Xbox now because Game Pass is too awesome. And um, yeah, it's a great time. So I'll probably talk about a lot of that stuff coming up on future episodes. But mm-hmm. you know, this PlayStation show, I'll probably keep it more to the multi-platform stuff rather than a lot of the exclusives. But it's still cool to cool to have, and I'm uh, yeah, feeling really lucky. It sounds so. like it was a good a good purchase, and I would say maybe almost as good as my recent purchase. <laughs> yeah, on par at least. <laughs> Definitely. Let us know which which of the two of us has the more exciting news for uh, for the surprise <laughs> here. But anyway, Kate, we got a lot to talk about today as usual, so mm-hmm. let's get into it. Of course, this is uh, Circles and Squares, the PlayStation podcast. So usually we have three segments. Today is only two. We're going to start off with the games we've been playing, and then for the second half of the show, we have a bit of a news roundup, including the PlayStation Plus games for July, um, PlayStation buying a a studio or maybe two hint hint and finally uh the state of play happened a couple days ago uh showing off death loop and some other games as well so we're going to recap everything shown in the state of play video so i look forward to that later on in the show of course if you enjoy our content we appreciate you so much and we would really love it if you could head over to apple Podcasts and give us a review we've got some really great ones over there some very very lovely words lovely to hear like people like the show so much you know some some great ratings we appreciate it if you take the time give us a rating help us grow the show get a bigger audience, all that kind of stuff. Um, but anyway, Kate, let's talk about what we've been playing recently. And I'd like to start off with something that I actually beat a few weeks ago, but we just, we've just we been so busy with E3 and everything, I've not had a chance to tell you about it yet, which is the original Mass Effect. Very exciting game for me to go back and try, simply because um, back in the day, I never actually played the first one. I've only played two and three. So this, is, this has been cool to go back and finally play my way through the first one. Um, and you've played a little bit of this too, right? I did, yeah. I've um, heard wonderful things about two and three, but unfortunately, I never finished one, and so I, I locked myself off from ever being able to progress uh, to, to what's considered the golden <laughs> yeah, games yeah. in the series. True. Well, definitely, you're 100% right about that, because I gotta tell you, Mass Effect, interesting time capsule. Love the franchise, love the world. The lore is immaculate, but this game definitely shows a bit of age, to say the very least. So, 
just just to bring i obviously played the um the remastered version from the trilogy that came out recently this isn't the original or anything like that so mm-hmm. luckily there's been some big improvements you know it's 60 frames a second way way upgraded textures and graphics and load times and everything from the original so that's really good um so anyway this game is the first one in the series obviously it's the story of how commander shepherd kind of is becomes this human specter and and is which is like a high ranking person kind of on the on the council in the in the hierarchy of of this galactic conglomerate of people and different races and different <laughs> different aliens that are kind of living in this world and the different solar systems of the universe. So the lore is just amazing. And this is something that I think is the strongest part of Mass Effect overall is just the world that they've built. And I think I've even talked about it before on the show in some capacity of just maybe talking about Mass Effect 2 or 3. But it really is just it was so cool to go back and see kind of the first iteration of what this world was and just how fully realized each of these characters and their planets and their their histories and like the the different the different races like the Krogan and the and the Korians and and all these different things that have happened to them in their histories is just really interesting to go back and see how deep and, and extensive it all is even just for the first iteration and you know I think that's the kind of the thing that brought me through this game overall because uh, it's just so strong like like learning about for example a character like Tally and she's she's a Korian race that's the one that has the um, the kind of helmet they're always wearing their their face right. is covered by a visor a shield. They're the ones that take like pilgrimages when they like come of age and stuff, right? Exactly. Think, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so the way that their their race works, and I'll, I'll use them as an example, just to you know, I, I can't talk about all of them, but they're they're my favorite <laughs> one, the ones I find the most interesting anyway. And their whole thing is they actually um, they live in like a fleet of spaceships that go around, and they're they're largely older ships, and they actually kind of collect scraps and fix up older things rather than having the most advanced type of type of ships out there i guess compared to some of the other other factions but it's interesting because when they reach a certain age they have to go on a pilgrimage so that's kind of what tally's story is her personal story alongside the the main arc of the of the game and she's kind of out on this pilgrimage has to go in, and she can't return to her group until she finds something of value or something that she could bring back to improve the fleet overall and help contribute to that society so just going through and, and hearing her, her the, the details and the different you know ships and people in her her world that are that are just name dropped and this this deep level of lore that they go into with not only her but every single partner character you get um is 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 really mind-blowing to be honest especially when you consider this game is from what like 2007 or something i i think that's the date that it originally the year that it originally came out but it, it's just so in-depth and i and i really can't get over just how amazingly written it is in that way and like i said i think that really is what carries this game overall because yeah i mean to play it is not uh, the most fun game in the world. No, and that's I think a well-known thing among among people these days for sure, especially yeah. Mass Effect One. And I think that was my conflict playing the game is I was so interested in the story and so interested in my crewmates and like my favorite thing to do would genuinely be just to get back from a mission and go around my ship and just chat with each person and see like what they thought about the last mission or you know what's going on with them. If and sometimes they would you know give requests like oh I really you know, I'm interested in doing X, can you do that with me? Or they would just give you some feedback. Like, you know, I thought that mission was, was really tough for me personally, and here's why. And it was so compelling. The problem was, is that you have to do a lot of gameplay sections uh, to get <laughs> yes, to those yes, important do. parts. You sure and do. And it. it wasn't, I don't remember it being horrible. I just remember it being not interesting or compelling enough to keep me playing. And then I eventually just, fell off and started playing something else and then you know got to be one of those it's been like a month since i played mass effect i can't remember everything that was happening like oh god 
um I panic, panic. I don't want to have to restart. I'll just never play it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the th- this game really does, in my opinion, fall pretty short in terms of gameplay. And I mean, yes, it's a 2008 game, right? So looking at it through that lens, I think some of the maybe repetitive nature of some of the gameplay could maybe be overlooked because if you compare it to contemporaries, I don't think there was a lot of games that back from from that kind of era of yeah. you know the 360 PS3 that were blowing the doors off in terms of really revolutionary and, like obviously there is there's examples a, but there's a big caveat with that too is i think like some of the story missions are varied and a bit more interesting the side quests are horrible and exact carbon copies of each other and i fell into the trap of, of trying to complete everything, <laughs> everything. yeah and it would end up with doing like one story mission that was generally quite interesting and then six side quests that were the exact same boring drive around the Mako on a planet, go in the exact same facility and have a shootout, rinse and repeat. And I think that killed it for me because I was like, if I have to drive the Mako again, I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> this is yes, terrible. yes, yes, yes. Well, I mean, that's the thing, right? Because the Mako and I, first of all, as someone that never played the original Mass Effect, uh, apparently the Mako was greatly improved for this game, which I mean, mm-hmm. it's hard to tell that is the case as, as having not played that because the Mako was just, it's one of the least fun vehicles I've ever controlled in a game. And you have these two mm-hmm. boring weapons, like you have a machine gun and a missile launcher on it. Yes. And you're basically just driving around and shooting at stationary enemies. And it's it's like they, they're obviously trying to pad the game and make the world feel very large like you land on this planet you're in this facility you're talking to everyone then you take the mako out and you're it's trying to represent like hey you're driving across this planet and build the world and show you what that planet's environment's like and in that way i guess it succeeds but there's just nothing fun about playing through it and it it's just driving along a corridor or like or around this kind of semi-open environment looking for the one place you got to go and and that's all you can really do. And it, it feels like a lot of filler because of the amount of time you have to spend in the car, which mm-hmm. is way more than you ever should, um, <laughs> considering the rest of the game. And I mean, even the combat, um, I mean, you're saying the story missions were better than the side ones. And I agree in terms of in, at least you're on a different map or, or you're in a different environment. You've got to mm-hmm. it looks a bit different or you're on a different ship or a planet or something. But when you break it down, the combat itself is very disappointing. I, I was pretty let down by it. Um, I know it gets a lot better in two and three in terms of some of the stuff you get, but in the first one, I mean, I chose the biotic class because I was a sniper last time and I, re- I really wanted to change up my experience and use mm-hmm. some different powers, right? But the thing about this this game is that the the combat, and I played it on normal because I that's just what I like to do. I'm not there for the challenge, especially in Mass Effect. I'm there just to get through the story, yeah, right? Exactly. But the, the enemies are bullet spongy in, in ways that is not enjoyable. You're just unloading into them and... um. A lot of the abilities you get, they just feel inconsequential. Like they, they have these cooldowns, which is great. And and I feel like I just really stuck to the the couple of abilities that I found the most enjoyable to use, or, or that made the combat go by the quickest. To be honest, like the biotic gets this one ability where you can make enemies in a certain area float in the air, and they just mm-hmm. they're just incapacitated floating along. And I just felt I was using that as much as possible, just so the enemies would would float up, and I could easily just shoot them in the head with my sniper, kill them as quick as I could. And it's unfortunate that a game that supposedly has such a deep combat system with different classes and weapons and abilities really just boiled down to me wanting to find the most efficient way to just get through the fights instead yeah, of that's, instead of that's having fun. Yeah, that's not a good look. <laughs> not a good look. And I and I really felt my class at the end of the day was kind of inconsequential, like which is unfortunate because having played two and three, I think the classes make a lot more of a difference. Whereas this is just kind of like. It, 
easy, right? And it wasn't even, that's mm -hmm. the other thing. There was, there was no challenge. I said I played on normal, so maybe I could have cranked it up. But at the same time, I would have enemies just kind of standing around like I was just able to kill them. There was some weird glitches too where, where there would be some enemies that would just run at you. Like I remember there was this one instance where <laughs> and not I was, do anything. No, they didn't do anything. Like I was in this one instance where there's the Geth is one of the one of the um it's a robotic mm -hmm. race and they're kind of an antagonist in this game and there's some there's some elite Geth troopers you fight near the end of the game and you know they can be pretty intimidating if you get caught off by surprise or you know there's a lot of them in an area. And there was this one time one of the early times I ran into one where I saw him across this hallway from me. And this dude, he just decided he was going to run at me. And I was like, oh, shit, like I got my sniper out. This guy's coming for me, you know, like I, I got to yeah, watch like, what's out. He what's he going to do when do? he gets here? And he just kept running and running and ran right past me. Didn't even attack, <laughs> didn't anything. He just kept going. And I'm like, That's man, so what is funny. this? It's just so didn't bizarre. Didn't even look over his shoulder. He's yeah. like, I'm out, I'm out. It was just so bizarre. And so, I mean, I, I would recommend this game based on if you're a big Mass Effect fan and haven't tried the first one. As a, a lot of PlayStation 3 owners um, that didn't have a 360 had or a PC had that back in the right, day. Right, because the first game was not multi-platform, and then only two and three were right. That's right, yeah. And then later right, on, when they released right. the trilogy, that was also on PS3, so you could play it in that way. But I mean, for me, I already owned two and three, and I'd watched enough of you know recap mm -hmm. videos and stuff on the first one where I didn't feel necessarily compelled to rebuy the whole trilogy. Right. Um. Of course, now the remastered different story, but. But um, yeah, I mean, I'd, it's a it's an interesting time capsule, but it's definitely not um, a standout game. And it's unfortunate because I feel like a lot of people would play this one and then and then have that same experience that you had being like, well, that wasn't that much fun. Like, I don't see I see the mm -hmm. world is cool, but I'm not a huge sci fi person. The gameplay wasn't great. I'm kind of out. And it's too bad because two and three, or at least I've not I've not started them yet. So maybe I'm speaking a little bit on how I remember them. But I know the overall sentiment is especially two is such an improvement over what this game shows us. And it's too bad that a lot of people will probably be turned off or not even complete the first one and never make it to two and three. Um, it's just too bad. Um, but this game should be honored, like I said, for the story. I think it's an amazing game in terms of like, you know, back, this was one of the first games that, or at least first mainstream games that had the sort of branching narrative paths or the, you know, your choices mm. influence what's what's going on. And in this game, you you make choices. Like, you know, you have to pick between one character dying and another another character dying or vice versa. You have to pick which one you save. And, and there's a few instances where there are some really big decisions. Spoiler, spoiler on that one. You kill the racist girl. Well, of course he's, you do. Yeah. You she of sucks. You do. I mean, the she other sucks. guy, the other guy is not that great either, but he's better than, than his, Ashley. His only, if people don't like him, but his only like negative trait is people find him a little bit boring, but it's like, okay, racist asshole, <laughs> well, boring, kind of boring, generic guy. Like, Hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh Spe speaking of that too, it's actually really interesting going back. Um, everyone loves Garrus, right? He's he's um yeah. probably the most important and well beloved partner characters you get in any of these games. And even Garrus, going back to this, because I love Garrus in two and three, but in this one, he's really just this kind of police endorsing like commando guy that just wants to go and kill people. Very revenge focused and very much like I do the job, you know, like this kind of thing. And it especially like in 2021 with some of the things going on in the world and being brought to light. It's just kind of an archaic viewpoint. And it makes me think like, I wonder if people are going to play through this trilogy now with the remaster and have the same fondness for Garrus. Like I was just saying earlier, yeah. Tally's my favorite character. And I think that like, she's really dethroned Garrus. Like I wouldn't even put him in my top couple now based on some of the stuff that happens in this game. And so it's just an interesting 
I keep wow, using the word time capsule. And yeah, it's it's very interesting. That's really interesting because yeah, when I played, I definitely had Garrus on my team, but part of that was a bias because of how much I'd heard Garrus is great. Like pay attention to Garrus, like put him in your party. And so like, he seemed interesting enough and I, I did, but it was almost kind of like partially as a joke or partially to fulfill like the expectation I had of him being an amazing character. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And Um, he is a cool character. It's just that I think there's some, because of this game, it's from over 10 years ago, right? Like there's a lot that's happened sociologically and politically and stuff since then. That's, I mean, not that these things weren't problems back then too, but it's just the world's in a different place. And I think it, games like this that are trying to say something about um, some of the, in these topics but are from a perspective from over a decade ago it's just an interesting way to look to have this Mm -hmm. presented to us in a way that like this some of the stuff in this game would be very differently presented um if it was made today so yeah i mean i I don't want to talk about it too much more because verges on you know story spoilers and all kinds of stuff and this is a new quote-unquote new game so you know (laughs) gotta keep it somewhat somewhat um somewhat under wraps but yeah i mean overall cool game glad i played it Um, a lot of Mm -hmm. problems Right. I mean, it, but, I, I didn't even talk about the inventory system. This game has maybe the worst inventory oh system God. I've ever Did they not update played. that? That was one of the things that really, like, that that inventory system, I would say, contributed to me stopping it's just to awful. play. You know, it was you go through, horrendous. You go through and it's just <laughs> endless lists of, like, the same gun over and over. And there's not really a way to easily organize it. You can't really sort it beyond what order you pick stuff in. The only way you can even sell multiple things of the same... Uh, you might have multiple copies of the same item and you if you want to get rid of them all you have to kind of go through this process of marking it as this item is junk and then you can delete them all at once but if you haven't done that from the very start of the game as if you're anticipating the the um, inventory to really suck then you'll be too far behind and going through that process of of kind of organizing after the fact when you already have like 50 60 items is just even more work than it's worth like i just ended up having this bloated inventory which i would just delete the few things here and there i needed to pick up the new stuff and i would just leave it like it was it was brutal yes and i i just think you remember playing and it doesn't do a good job of like showing you clearly like if you have one up gun equipped if you swap that out for another gun it doesn't do a good job of comparing the two for you so like you're just kind of stuck in your inventory and i remember distinctly like scheduling times while i was playing it that would be the like 15 minutes of inventory management <laughs> that I good. would need to do and it good. was always like it was always like I would put it between like okay I've done the mission but before I get the reward of going to talk to everyone I have to pay the $15 inventory tax <laughs> <laughs> and I like legitimately would be like okay but like I'm gonna have my coffee while I play this bit so like I can do that while I inventory and I would like legitimately like schedule in when would be like the most convenient time to have to do that because it was necessary to play the game but it was like the biggest chore and it just became like almost like something I would like maniacally laugh to myself about like oh fucking here we go it's inventory time like damn it (laughs) yeah Anyway, yeah, play it for the story. I mean, if I was really going to give a recommendation on Mass Effect, it would be play it on easy. The combat sucks anyway. Don't put yourself through it. Play it on easy. Experience the world. Skip all the side content and just have a good time. You know, like I had I did a renegade Mm -hmm. run. There's that's the whole thing I'm not going to get into. Like this Paragon renegade system where you can make like, quote unquote, good or bad choices to get where you're going. They're not really bad choices, though, because you're still a good guy. You're just going about it more of a like like the the hard ass kind of the hard ass one. Yeah. Yeah. And I I actually really enjoyed the renegade because 
I mean, the the Paragon one, when you do it, like you're just making the morally good thing all the time. And there's nothing wrong with that. But your character can kind of come off as like a wet paper towel in terms of like personality. Whereas at least with the Renegade one, sometimes you get some voice lines where your character will just be like, yeah, I'm doing it my way. You can shove it or something. You know, it's just like funny. Yeah. (laughs) It's just funny. So And that's good. Just a little bit of extra diversity. If this totally, is your yeah. second time through, which I think for a lot of people it will be. So Exactly. Yeah. And I played Fem Shep this time, which is, I mean, we've talked about before. I think some one of our listener mail questions was which shepherd do we prefer? And so That's I went right. with Fem Shep we, this time. We both because, went the voice acting for Fem Shep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jennifer Hill. Yeah, I mean, she was that. great. <laughs> she was great. And it was nice to have an even a different shepherd and everything too. Good, so. good luck finding a romance option is the one down. Well, so you know, I'm gonna I didn't be even sleeping have... with the Krogan. Like what <sighs> other option do you have? <laughs> hey, the Krogan, one of the best races in this game. I love the Krogan. Um, shout, really out, shout out to them anyway but yeah that's mass effect i i would uh, i'm excited to play two now that i've done this though like like I, i'm mm-hmm. giving myself a bit of the mass effect break now i don't want to burn myself out but in a month or so i think i'm gonna go and okay. and start up number two and i'll, I'll well, let you we'll guys know excited how it goes. to hear your thoughts and, and see like how much two holds up versus it just being a kind of fond memories i know i tell you like after playing this one i maybe I'm 70% sure that I'm going to really like to and going going into it and the way that they kind of change some of the combat controls and, and make your maybe more specific in terms of your class and, and a little bit more control over what your partners are doing. Whereas in this, I feel like I just left them to, to do their own thing and be useless. Um, <laughs> whereas this game, the, now that I played this, I feel like my, my sureness of two and three being great is slightly down <laughs> just right. just in case but anyway we'll see um the one other thing i have been playing a little bit or i actually beat it a little while ago was a, was a cute little puzzle game called the gardens between and this is another one of those i think i spoke about um what's that other puzzle game i played on the show on your um, Gorogoa, right another one of these yeah. very unique um small contained like couple hour long puzzle games and this is another one which i probably will not do justice explaining so please go look it up and look into it but this is a puzzle game which is very simple. You have uh, two characters called Arena and Frint, and they uh, can move left and right on your screen. And the only thing you can do aside from get them to move left and right is you can manipulate time. And so the way that it works is you're kind of um, moving them to either left or right, depending where you need to go. And then you kind of pause time and you can you can affect things that are in the world while your characters are standing still. So for an example, a lot of the worlds you're in, and they're like little islands and they're self-contained. Um, they're almost like memories of these two in their childhood. They're a bit older now. And mm-hmm. so things like one level, you'll be on this island with an old game controller on it back from when they were kids. And you'll walk up to the game controller and then you can pause time. And then maybe while time is paused, you can press some buttons on the controller to change what's on the TV in the background. And then when you unpause time, that's somehow changed where you can go along the path or something that's something else is in the world so you're you're kind of doing this like walk up do something with time then move back to the left and then you know now something else is open so then you can build on it and eventually work out some pretty complicated puzzles um i guess the idea is you're trying to get there's like a starting point and an ending point on each level and one of the characters carries this lantern around um, this is all sounding very complicated now that I, now that I think <laughs> about it. Basically, the point is you're trying to put this light orb in the lantern and get it to the end of the level. Okay. And there's different obstacles that happen and that causes you to have to manipulate time. Like there's a, there's another level where there's a kind of a rushing river that's pulling, it's got a bunch of debris in it. And you can tell that you can cross the river on the debris, but it moves too quickly um so you have to slow down time so the characters can move over it while they're while it's not moving and just puzzles like that 
Um, so it, it's really interesting some of the stuff it gets you to do. Um, it's very relaxing, like I said, not overly challenging, but it definitely makes you think. And just the presentation and the the calmness that it gives you while you're playing, very relaxing music. Um, it does the whole, like, tells a meaningful story, but doesn't have a word of dialogue thing where you can kind of, you're right. shown the character's relationship um, instead of being told about it, which I always like. Um, and it's really right. short and like some some creative puzzles. So um, just a, it, a really cool game. It sounds like one of those, like, and I wish I had a better term for it, maybe... You can help me come up with one. But it, it sounds like one of those really, like, cozy vibe, like, good vibe kind of games. And, like, I know that's such, like, a weird, like, internet term <laughs> that keeps getting thrown around. But, like, it it is, like, relatively descriptive of them, right? Like, it just sort of, like, they're sort of emotional games. And, like, it's mm -hmm, not really mm -hmm. one aspect of them that stands out. But they just, they make you feel a certain way while you play them. And that it, it kind of, like, impacts you emotionally, I guess, more than than for any one aspect of its like mechanics or story or anything yeah yeah i would say and... so i would say so uh, stuff like this and monument valley and um gora go like, are the three yeah examples i can think of yeah one of those and like they're not always puzzle games i would say like journey is kind of like a, mm -hmm, a, mm -hmm. a vibe sort of game that's one of the like classic like now we say like journey like game because it's hard to describe them but yeah, the, yeah, sometimes you're just in the mood for one of those sort of like feel good kind of like experiences. And totally, yeah, yeah. Yeah, some light puzzle elements is never a bad thing. Exactly, light puzzle elements, nice visuals, you know, cool story, cool mechanic. It's a very unique mechanic, which I which I also appreciate. It's really cool. Um, so anyway, yeah, that's Islands Be or Gardens Between. Uh, check it out. It's on Switch, I think. I think it's. I actually played it on mobile. I signed up for a month of that free Google play you know apple apple arcade like there's that google equivalent which is like the google play pass which has basically a bunch of garbage games on it so but i got a free trial and this was the only game that i was really interested so i, I this is what i played <laughs> um and yeah it was it's good i would i would check it out if you can get it for like you know a couple bucks on your phone or something but uh yeah what you been playing kate okay um i was not necessarily intending to, to speak about this game today but i played so much of it in the last week um and it just it's just really captured my attention so i got to talk about wizard of legend um i've i saw it dubbed as indie hades which i thought was a really cute way of describing it which is funny because hades is also an indie game but you know <laughs> indie, hades indie is, hades indian hades. i mean hades is so polished right and like super giant's an indie studio but they're a very well established studio whereas um wizard of legend really has that more like small game feel to it yeah i mean i feel like we're gonna de redefine what we mean by indie like the term's gonna change you know because technically like kena bridge of spirits is an indie game but that looks like it could be made by a playstation studio studio or something you know yeah it's exactly kinda... like it, it kind of begs the question now of being like well how much budget is put into it right like how many people are working on the game so yeah i don't i don't know it's definitely like evolved as a genre but anyway um Maybe that's topic for another time, but um, this game, yeah, it, it's kind of reminiscent of Hades, um, not necessarily in the, the way that Hades is presented or the story, but the actual, like, gameplay itself. Um, it's got the very hectic, like, fast pace, like, you got to, like, dodging and attacking and, and that sort of, like, same um, camera style. So it plays like Hades in that sense, um, but the gameplay basically evolves around you're a wizard. And you start out at the beginning of a run, because it's a roguelike, um, you choose a build out. So you start with very limited options, 
Um, but as you progress through the game, you get a, you have a currency where you can unlock things permanently. Uh, and that is in two different ways. So one of them, the main thing is the spells that you have. So the game is centered around the different elements of air, wind, water, fire, and earth. Uh, and then there finally is like a hidden chaos one that you get for beating the game for the first time. Everybody's favorite element, chaos. <laughs> That's right. I'm here to kill chaos. <laughs> That's right. Um, I don't yeah, want to talk just... about that, Kate. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> no, no, we, we, won't, we won't derail this. Um, but anyway, yeah, you choose your different spells. So you kind of have like a basic attack, a dash, and then a couple different ones you get to choose and what's really nice it's very it, there's a lot of variation even way more than i was originally expecting so you can for example have like kind of like a slow like earth basic attack that's like a big like stone fist or you can have like a really um fast like electric bolt that that zooms out and then your dashes will be like one of the elements as well and they'll do different things like fire will leave a trail of fire behind you when you dash or the water one might um have like a like a bubble shield that you get and so choosing your spells really does change how you feel because you get quite a few of them and there's like there's melee ones or there's ones that you know like dash you and do an attack at the end and then there's some that are like long range mm -hmm, like water mm -hmm. beams shoot out and the presentation is really nice on them too like one of my favorite ones is these water dragons that shoot out and they kind of like flow really beautifully and then there's some that are these like big massive fire explosions and then the the lightning ones put down all these these little like things that shoot out electricity and jolt and do tons of little tiny pings and and cover like an area on the ground and there's just there's a lot to choose from it's almost overwhelming but because you start out with such a small amount and you gather them as you go it's always that constant little like ooh, what's that spell like ooh, what does that do and you're just trying out new things all the time right um and do they so, do they combine like they do in hades also or is it more you just pick one for your run and then you you get something else next time so it's it's different than Hades because Hades like you pick your bow and then you kind of have your bow and then you get the god stuff that like sort of augments your bow. Whereas in this game, it's just like here's seventy different spells instead, mm, okay, and okay. you pick your spells and some of them have like they all have like an upgraded version so you can make them slightly stronger. So like if it's like a put down like a fire like a fire on the ground and if you like make it if you level up make it stronger now it puts down like a bigger area of fire and like burns them more at the end or something so like there is a progression that way but it's more like the spells are just how you want to approach and like how your gameplay is um and then what makes you stronger is the other thing you have are relics you get to take one with you and then you get more as you go like you kind of buy them in shops or find them randomly so there's a, a bit of like chance as you go along um but they'll do different things like one of them like make all your electric spells or spells do more damage and it's like well perfect if you build your loadout with a bunch of electric spells and then you take that with you that's going to be great um but you don't necessarily want that if, if you've built fire or whatever so Not if there's you a win. lot of and not if you want to win. And it is tough. I will say this game was, is, is very challenging. Um, and what's nice about it, I don't necessarily know how the balancing works, but it is good to note that I've played exclusively multiplayer, um, which is nice because you can play the whole game perfectly co-op uh, and like couch co-op. Wow, so that's it's really, really cool. nice. 
Um, so I don't know how difficult or challenging it is with one person and how much it scales, but with two people, it is very difficult. It's very fast and hectic, and um, the enemies do quite can do quite a bit of damage. So how it starts you out is is you go through the worlds, you do three worlds, and then get to the final boss and each world has a big boss at the end and they're all the elements so it's kind of random like you might get wind fire and earth for one run and then your next run will be air chaos. fire chaos there, there unfortunately there's no chaos at least not yet maybe you unlock that but um it's the main elements and so what changes is there they're the same kind of layout they have a little bit of like you know different aesthetic to them um the fire one's kind of like you're in a mine underground and then the earth one's like in like some forests um and then the the electric one's pretty cool you're kind of like on top of like like a platforms in the sky kind of thing and so you more or less just have like a relatively small map to explore and you can find different shops to buy new spells or relics and um, there's also some other NPCs you can run into that'll like maybe re-roll a spell for you or like give you some kind of buff or various things that usually come at a price. And then there's just a bunch of um, enemies you encounter and beating them will give you the currency to buy stuff. Um, or And then you find the boss gate at the end somewhere hidden in the level that lets you then challenge the boss. Um, and so it's it's really cool, but especially once you hit the like second and third levels the enemies start doing a lot of damage so it's one of those games where you first start out and you're like there's so much going on like i can't keep track of this all it's so incredibly difficult but then after you do a few runs like you really start to get into the groove i would say like we've, we've gotten to the point where we've beaten it once only one time i think on our fourth or fifth run and we've probably done at least six or seven after and haven't beaten it again. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, but at the same time, you know, we're kind of trying out like dumb builds as, as well and, you know, trying to do creative stuff. So it's just sort of fun to to play around and like see what kind of weird wizards you can create. Well, definitely when you're playing co-op too, because I would imagine there's yeah. like, well, if you take the light, the lightning and I take the, the some of the earth or something and our two, you know, play styles are very different. Maybe there's complementary stuff in there and there's even more to experiment with too. So I can totally see with so many options, how it would be fun to play around yeah. rather than trying to optimize, at least like right at the start. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so my favorite build I've come across so far, and apparently it is horrible, but I really like it, is I just have like spears. And so like everything is really precise, like spears that I have to throw. And if you miss them, you just stand there and you're like, shit, I've got nothing. Whereas like some <laughs> other moves are like really big. Like here's a massive cone of fire that hits the whole room, which is obviously like much harder to harder to miss and it is like really cool and flashy but i was like i just like this little lightning spear that if i throw it it like kind of bounces between the enemies and if i don't if i don't hit it's on cooldown for like six seconds and uh, i'm out of stuff to do <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah there there's tons of fun things to play around with um my my one complaint i will say with the game is that some of the bosses are and it's really just one boss in particular is just really crazy hectic. Um, a lot of them are quite challenging, but you can kind of learn their patterns and and sort of feel like you conquer them as you go because you'll fight them quite a few times. Um, but there's one boss in particular that their moves just come out so quickly that even after having played them, like it must be at least seven tries. I have no idea what you're supposed to do against a couple moves aside from just hope that you you happen to not be where they're shooting. 
because oh not you don't feeling. have time to get out of the way. So it's the lightning boss. And every time we see lightning, we're like, please don't be there or be the first one because we'll be able to kill you before you kill us. But if we see lightning at the end, we're like, this runs over. So I will say that there's maybe a little bit of balancing and there's a lot of spells that are like, you know, like this seems just like a shittier version of the other spell. So there's definitely some some balancing things that that could be fixed. But overall, I think having a slightly less favorable balance in contrast to having way more options, I think is they I think I'd rather have the options, especially for a game like this, that sort of the the core feedback is you're constantly unlocking things and trying out new spells and combinations. And that's really what's exciting about it more yeah. so than like, oh, I want to play like the most optimal build I can or like you know be as strong as possible i think it's more of just like a nice charming experience yeah, yeah. Well, especially in of... like a pve too right because it's not like you're yeah i feel like balancing matters a lot more when there's a pvp aspect because you don't want to lose to someone else whereas if you're playing against the game itself right it, it's less incentivized to be like the best because it's not like you're you're like competing right yeah, exactly. And so most of our runs, we just kind of do like silly stuff. Like the last last night I played and I was like, I'm going to do the spin to win build. And I just took a bunch of spells that make you like spin around. So there's one where you've like one of those like big hammer toss things and you just kind of like spin around with this hammer. And then there's like a flame sword you spin around with. And I was like, I'm just going to I'm just going to spin. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, It wasn't good, but it was really fun. And I think this game like just has charm and spades. Like all of the NPCs are adorable. Like there's a like a wardrobe where you can change your clothes um, that you talk to. And like there's Tomi is the little book NPC you talk to that you choose your spells out of and everything's just really like cute and the art is fantastic. Um, but the last thing I want to say about the game, which is my absolute favorite thing about this game, and I think one of the most impressive, if not the most impressive I've ever seen a tutorial done. It is amazing. It blew me away and just got me hooked on the game. So the story is is quite light, but basically magic is kind of antiquated. It's not really a thing anymore um, in the world. And so there's a museum that is dedicated to the lost arts of magic and these sorcerers who are the, the bosses you fight. And so you go through this museum exhibit and it's got interactive elements where it has you like test out these like versions of the spells they've created just to work in the museum that are like this is what the the fire spell like fireball would have worked like and so it teaches you how to use these basic spells and all of the game mechanics but it's set up as though you're just you're just a customer at the museum and you keep getting a different like booths or different things and they're like oh these are some like relics that were left behind and so they've got like some of them that you get later in the game and like oh like wizards used to be able to charge up their spells for like a special move like go in this interactive exhibit and see what it would have looked like and so it teaches you everything but it's just so overwhelmingly adorable to go through this museum that's awesome. That's uh, a really cool way to do it. It is it's, so creative. And I was just, it's, and it was done so well that I was just captivated the entire time. Like, I really felt like a kid who had, like, was going to the magic museum was like, I want to learn about magic. Like, wow, it'd be so cool if I could do magic in real life. It sounds like and something like, they would do in Ratchet and Clank with some of the old guns or something. I think there even is a museum um, section of some kind. 
it was it was really lovely um but then and and this is a, a minor spoiler but i think it's worth knowing is that at the after you beat the game for the first time because what happens is once you're at the museum like something happens you end up getting pulled into the past and so that's how you start doing these runs and and fighting the the mages and you know being a proper magician yourself is that you've been pulled kind of back into the time where magic does exist and then so when you beat the game for the first time you pop back out at the museum and you get to then continue exploring the the second half that you hadn't made it to yet and then the second half is all dedicated to like the heroes but it's got your stuff that you beat the game with so it had an exhibit for both of our characters and it showed like this hero and this is the spells that they use and it's the ones that we had and like this is the magic cloak that they wore and it was like the cloak that you'd chosen to take in with you so it was like completely they pulled all of your stuff and put you in the museum as the hero after you'd just beaten it and so then you finish exploring the museum going through your own exhibit based (laughs) off of your your victory run oh that's so so cool it was so cool i was just the it's so creative and like oh my god did it beat just like reading text boxes and like um having characters just tell you how to do things so it was really cool and like the game was overall quite light on story um but this alone just like i can't believe that i've never seen a game do this because it's just such a fantastic idea you're making me want to check Wizard of, Wizards of Legend out. I'll tell you right now. I highly recommend it. I, I think it's fun. Like, I think if, if you like games like Hades, like the fast-paced combat, and um, if you're into roguelikes and, and kind of like, one more run, like, I'll just change this up and see how it goes this time. Like, I think it's a really good game. I don't think it's necessarily reinventing the genre if it's not something that you're into already. Um, but it's a really good presentation. It, it's really competent at what it sets out to do. And it's an awesome time if you have someone to couch co-op with. You know, it's funny you bring this up today, actually, because um, for the first time in a few months, I actually pulled out Hades today and had a run Actually, <laughs> while I was watching the soccer game. So I was like, I was Hades. I didn't even know you were going to be talking about something. I didn't know this was exactly like Hades. So it's just it's mm-hmm. ironic. Now I should check it out. But um, yeah. yeah, cool. Good stuff this week. Good stuff. Overall, mm-hmm. I would say. It's I mean, Mass Effect, Mass Effect, say what you want, pros and cons. But overall, I think we had some solid picks. So that's mm-hmm. good. That's good. Um, anyways, Kate, I think that will do it for the first half of today's show. So, uh, we'll take a quick break and then come back with the news section. So don't go anywhere. All right, everyone, welcome back to the second half of today's show, which is, of course, the news section. So let's get right into it, Kate. We have the PlayStation Plus games for July 2021 as our first news story today, which include uh, Plague Tale and Innocence, Call of Duty Black Ops 4, and WWE Battlegrounds, the WWE game that has weirdly proportioned characters that are, I think, supposed to be cute and fun, but end up just looking kind of weird. So that's my review of Battlegrounds. Um, Anyways... (laughs) Um, I don't know. I, I feel like the smart thing to do here, like Plague Tale is the obvious winner, right? Yes. Plague Tale is the obvious standout game. I mean, the, the battle, the WWE games are like 
fun for a night of just like have a couple drinks and and dick around with them. Um, but Plague Tale is, is the obvious one. I guess Call of Duty is big too, but we're not yeah, really yeah, uh, yeah. Call of Duty fans. So I mean, Plague Tale is yeah. Plague Tale is definitely the game I think we'll both be checking out. Yeah, and especially since um, it's the PlayStation Five version too. I think they it's a four K mm-hmm. update, sixty frames. Uh, you know all the good stuff, loading times obviously. So Plague Tale is interesting. I've I've heard. I mean, some mixed things about it, but overall it's really cool. And I think it's the one with that big swarm of rats that kind of goes around has some interesting mechanics around like how they get that swarm to behave. So I'm interested to see kind of that whole thing. Almost kind of like a lot of the marketing for this game was like kind of almost like a puzzle game in a way. It's like a very much an RPG and very story driven between, I think it's the girl and her younger brother. brother, Yeah. Yeah. Um, And you're sort of like, you know, you got to get past these swarms of rats, which are, are you know, quite dangerous. Um, you know, the plague uh, is not a good thing to catch. Um, and so you're lighting fires to sort of draw them away from certain areas so you can get past them. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I remember when this game came out and, and being really interested in it. Um, I don't know necessarily how fun it looks to to play, but it's definitely something I've I've been wanting to check out and kind of always had on the back of my list just because it's so different. And it's yeah. such a unique concept. And I think it has a lot of potential to be a really good, like, emotional story between the siblings. So I'm I'm really glad to have an opportunity to sit down with this game because it's not one I would have necessarily rushed out to buy, but it's one I've been very interested about. Um, yeah, you, you took the words right out of my mouth. This is a perfect mm-hmm. PS Plus game. Like, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't have bought it, didn't have any plans to buy it, but it's free on PS Plus. And for that reason, I'll definitely check it out because, yeah, it looks like an interesting game. And if anything else, at least it's a it's a look at a unique mechanic because I don't think there's anything mm-hmm. else really like that swarm of rats um, awesome. that I can think of anyway. So, yeah, well, let's uh, let's tag team that one maybe. And speaking of tag teaming, maybe if we get a chance, we'll we'll do a match of battlegrounds <laughs> or something as well. And Deal. just to, just to see, just to see. I got to play as my boy, The Rock, you know, he's he's pretty cool. Well. You know, I wish you could. I wish I could play as my boy, The Rock Hawk, but um, <laughs> Rock that's, Hawk. that's the that's wrong game. <laughs> It's a deep cut. Send us an email, circlesandsquarespod at gmail.com if you know Rock Hawk. Um, or just Google it, you know, right. whatever. But yeah, we'll, right. we'll, we'll some, check some those out. Some Blitz glory. <laughs> yeah, we'll check those out. For those of you that don't know, we pick a game every month from PS Plus. Come back on the next episode, give a review. So we will do that for next time. Uh, but let's move along to our second news story, Kate, which is some pretty big news, actually, and something that a lot of people that follow PlayStation, such as ourselves, have kind of been predicting and saw coming a little bit. But this is that PlayStation has purchased Housemark. Um, welcome to the family to PlayStation Studios, Housemark. Um, of course, this is the the studio that recently made Returnal, um, huge huge hit on the PS5. So that's pretty cool to see. I mean, they have a really deep history with PlayStation, though. Going back to, I played Alien Nation back in 2016. That game was a really fun kind of top down third person or top down twin stick shooter co op. Um, you know, upgrades, all that kind of stuff. Um, Resogun was another one people loved. I think that was a game on our mm-hmm. best PlayStation game of all time bracket. Yeah. Um, they also did Super Stardust HD, which people liked. Um, you know, just just some more arcadey style PlayStation exclusive, I guess, yeah. games. So cool to see. Um, yeah, I'm interested. I I haven't. I don't think I've looking back on their list. I don't think I've actually ever played a Housemark game. Um, but I've definitely heard good things about a lot of them. And Returnal's definitely something I want to get my hands on eventually. Just also for one of those like it's weird and i i would just i've got a big curiosity for the game so i I think yeah it seems like a really good acquisition and and like you know returnal was apparently amazing so you don't get many what they do next you don't get a lot of first person or like third person bullet hell games they're usually the top down style right Mm -hmm. and so that's i know a lot of their histories in that so returnal was definitely similar yet different for them obviously a lot bigger budget 
Um, but cool, cool, uh, cool acquisition for sure. But the interesting part of this news story is not necessarily that they've purchased house markets. Also that at the same time as this was announced and keep in mind, this was a little while ago. We just haven't had a chance to bring this up, um, on the show is that, um, alongside when, when PlayStation kind of went on online and had the graphics of like, welcome to the family, you know, house mark, they also put an image up saying the same exact thing for blue point. Um, which of course mm-hmm. is the the remaster studio. They did the Shadow of Colossus remake, and then most recently, uh, the Demon Souls remaster, which you played and and really liked. Um, mm-hmm. So that's another one that they've been working closely with PlayStation. Apparently, judging by you know the the release here, that it's all but done. That PlayStation has also bought Bluepoint as well. So again, another studio that people have kind of been thinking PlayStation might be interested in buying, and it looks like that's eventually going to be the case too. So two very strong acquisitions for the PlayStation family, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. The blue point's the big one for me. Like, um, just from playing Demon Souls exclusively, I I have tons of respect for the studio. Like, they not only made a very faithful, um, like remaster of the game, but they added so much to it, just in terms of their sound design, their visuals, uh, how they you know made the controller work. Just they took what I think already would have been a good experience in playing Demon Souls, and they made it like an extremely even that much more memorable and i think mm-hmm. what they added would would have changed the game drastically if it was made by a studio that didn't necessarily go so far and and do all the things that they did so just that alone as their resume makes me very very interested to see what blue point does in the future 100 percent. because i mean i I didn't play demon souls as you know you're the souls person but i played shadow of the colossus remaster and that Mm -hmm. was another one that was a very beloved game that they made even better with the remaster and they did the uncharted trilogy as well Um, i think i think the last unique game or like original they actually had they they made flower as well which is another one of those we were just talking yeah. on the first segment that was like you know that kind of zen experience type of thing and so flower was another one of those people really liked it back on the ps3 so it's interesting i wonder if they'll continue to remaster stuff as, as kind of like an in-house remaster studio for playstation or, or if there would ever be a point where blue <laughs> a point a point where blue point <laughs> would be able to make something original too so both of those sound very exciting yeah, I think so. I think it like, you know, they're definitely a strong studio to have in your pocket, any kind of remaster. And remasters in general are just, are just huge right now, both in terms of gaming, but also like in movies, TV shows, like we're, we're, we've been feeling very nostalgic lately, apparently. So I think mm-hmm, having mm-hmm. a studio that you can just whip out and say like remaster this is, is huge, but I think I'd like to see them just have their own kind of creativity as well and, and make something new, but yeah, definitely, well, definitely a strong asset if uh, this does turn out to be true. Well, you never know, too. Maybe being bought by Sony would give them extra funding to maybe do a remaster and then have a second team working on something new as well. You Like it could expand mm-hmm. their, their uh, scope, too. Right. Which is kind of yeah, cool. But that's a I good mean, point. Do, do you think that Sony's kind of is this do you buy into the idea of like, you know, the art, quote unquote, arms race of having to keep up with Microsoft at this point after they buy like Bethesda and Ninja Theory and Double Fine. And they had that that whole ton of studio acquisitions over the last few years. Do you think is Sony kind of like, you know, we have a lot of really high quality studios in terms of like, you know, Naughty Dog and all all the ones at the top, Insomniac and Gorilla and all these. But do you think they're kind of trying to get that second tier of, of like, hey, we got to keep up and make sure we're not kind of overrun here? Or is that is that just kind of people wanting to play up the console war type of perspective because i go back and forth i think that's a bit of both like i i think like the i think people exaggerate it quite a bit and like 
you know, it's such a meme to be like, fuck Xbox, I have a PlayStation, when, like, realistically, like, we all just want to play good games, right? And, like, it's so much better. I think it's better for the consumer. Like, I, I wish that, you know, like, games were just on, you know, multi-platform, especially when it's something multiplayer and it's like, you know, I was thinking, I was actually just having a conversation earlier today about where I'm going to buy Elden Ring. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. one of the things, cause I, I don't know if I want it on PC or if I want it on PlayStation right now, and one of the things... Um, that will help me be a deciding factor is if I know people who are going to buy it because there's going to be a co-op element. And so... Right, where are they playing? Where are they going to play it? And I I have very little expectation that it would be multi-platform. And that sucks because at the end of the day, like, I don't want to be alienated from, you know, other people who are playing games that, like, we, you know, we could get together with. And that that aspect of it sucks a lot. And also, Mm -hmm. like... There's just a lot of great experiences that you miss out on because it's unrealistic to say that everyone's going to be able to buy all the different consoles. And realistically, when it comes down to it, like, I don't want to pay a few hundred dollars to buy a console for one game, the one game I can't play elsewhere. Yeah, um, exactly. So it's it's kind of a shame. But at the same time, like, a lot of people make arguments like, oh, it's good for the industry because, you know, like, competition is healthy for producing good products. And also, like, I just think it we're we're at the point where it's we've gone too far down the divide that it's impossible to come back right like sony is has so many amazing first party titles like where in the business decision would it be worthwhile for them to be like sure you can play god of war on xbox right like Mm -hmm, exactly those those are games that sell playstations it doesn't make sense for them especially since microsoft is like also on pc and so like they really are getting carried a lot by their fantastic games and also like this new controller like they're doing a lot of things that that are really important for them as a as a company and as a studio and so i don't blame microsoft for you know they need to bite back a little bit and acquire all these studios but then sony's like well shit they bought bethesda and these big places we better buy some more stuff too and like it's just it is it's tough to parse out right escalating recently it's tough to parse out i mean yeah it's it's one of those things i think it's i think sony just has had so much success about these remasters, especially from Bluepoint and now Returnal with Housemark as well, being so successful mm-hmm. on the PlayStation that I think maybe there is some fear of like, you know what, Microsoft Bethesda is a huge, huge purchase. And it's like, you know, Elder Scrolls and, and all the Wolfenstein yeah. and all the other games that are going to be the new game. losing to to the other side. Maybe this is just Sony being like, you know, we've had some great relationships with Bluepoint, with Housemark. Um, you know, let's do the safe thing here and bring them into our studios. So at least we're not going to be risking losing any of the other high, high profile stuff on our console, you know, like it's, yeah. you can see where they're coming from for sure. I, I just, you know, you, you nailed it on the head when saying you wish the games could be played everywhere for everybody. And that that's, I mean, that would be the ultimate dream, right? Like that's what we all mm-hmm. would want. But in the, in the context of, you know, you have to accept that there's a level of business to all this stuff as well. It gets very complicated and I don't really know yeah. what the right answer is. And of course, they'll they'll never come out. I think they Jim Ryan's been quoted as saying, like, you know, there's no arms race going on where it's just coincidental. But I mean, there's got to be some truth. To that, I mean, it, it influences, right? Like, you know, like, even if there's even if we want to say there's a healthy environment for, for both to exist, like they are in direct competition, right? Exactly. There's no getting around totally. that, right? Like, most people... Some people have both, and that's great if if that's within your budget and something you're comfortable doing. But the vast majority of people go like, "Am I buying the Xbox or am I buying the PlayStation?" And they're they're making a choice. 
Right. And I guess you can factor Nintendo to a degree, but it's a little bit more removed. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. either way, fascinating news. You know, like it's always mm. interesting when they I remember they bought Insomniac a few years ago and it was that was a huge ground shaker at that point, too. And now it's just, you know, yes. we, you could almost never envision Insomniac um, making a game for Xbox at this point, even though it wasn't that long ago. They put out Sunset Overdrive as an Xbox exclusive. So it's just crazy mm-hmm. how these things change. And speaking of Sunset Overdrive, I checked that out a bit on my Xbox. I'll, I'll tell you about that maybe off the show. Very interesting uh, after <laughs> playing Ratchet. But uh, that's that's besides the point. Um, we have some other big news to go over. Let's not get too distracted, though. Right. Um, because, of course, there was a state of play back a few days ago on... Oh, when was it? I don't even remember. It was uh, on... It was on a, the Thursday, I think. It would have been the the, the 8th. Yes, the Thursday, July, July 8th. You're right, 8th. you're right. Yeah. Oh, we're so professional here on this podcast, aren't we? <laughs> right? Well, we're you just... at least you always know it's genuine. We're yeah, not... we're the best. <laughs> we're really the best. Uh, it was shout out to uh, wannabe critic Gabe on uh, Twitter. He shouted us out uh, the other week. Thank you, Gabe, for the shout out, by the way. We'll see you on the show soon. But um, he he was saying we're the best mom and mom and pop podcast. Like, you know, some of the, some of there's these really big ones, you know, big time podcasts. And it's just like, you know, maybe that's the niche. You know, that's a good feeling to be that that nice, comfortable, cozy, zen podcast, just like the game Flower. Or, yeah, uh, exactly. You just got to put on your beautiful, warm and fuzzy Elden Ring sweater, put the hood up, maybe and just sit back and listen and, you know, just maybe have a nice cup of hot chocolate or something. Yeah, like, if the hot chocolate makes you too warm, just put that, t- take that hood you just put on off, regulate your temperature, <laughs> just get comfy. You know? That's right. Turn the fans on, open the window because you don't want to have to take that hoodie off. I'm telling you. <laughs> 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 but if you start getting too cold, put the windows back closed that, you know, okay. But whatever is... you do, do not start sweating in it because this is a nice hoodie. You can't foul it. Are you wearing it right now? <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm not, it's not quite okay. cool enough. Okay. We've milked, I this, wish. We've, we've milked this joke to, to death and back. Let's just, let's just recap the state of play. Uh, <laughs> uh, so starting off, Kate, we had uh, this state of play. They, they did a really good job setting expectations. I think we just need to shout that out. They, they specifically said, mm-hmm. you know, no God of War, no Horizon. This is going to be, I think they said nine minutes of death loop and the rest is third party and indie stuff. And, and uh, that's exactly what we got. So I'm, I was, I think it was a good show overall, personally. What did, what did you feel? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I had, I had a great time watching it. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think it was strange. It was not quite what I expected with them not doing an E3 showing. I just assumed that they would have like a big thing for us. But at the same time, like if this is what they had to show off, I think it's great that they were honest about it. Like I don't want to see God of War until it's ready to be shown. So just as yeah. as its own thing in a vacuum, not thinking about E3, I really enjoyed the presentation. There's There's a lot of stuff yeah. that stood out to me and i it was a lot of fun to watch it yeah i think so too i mean they're they're definitely i think moving away from the one big e3 blowout type of presentation and going to like you know quarterly state of plays and so mm. none of them are maybe going to be quite the height of what a traditional e3 conference would be and so that for that reason a lot of our predictions were wrong in terms of like what we yeah. thought might be shown uh yeah for those of you that heard our playstation predictions by the way we were completely wrong totally off base uh, they're they're laughably terrible, but they were fun to make. And so, yeah, um, zero points. I think that makes you the winner of our E3 predictions, by the way, Kate, because you had the the uh, slight advantage in the last. Uh, right. I the think rest of it. I got a point five of a point. Mm-hmm. I don't think we mm-hmm. ever any of us achieved an actual full point. Um, 
So just I'll, I'll take the victory of just shame <laughs> on this one. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, let's get into it here. So the first game shown in the state of play, of course, was Moss Book 2, which is a VR game. Uh, I don't think it was officially said for PSVR 2, but you've got to think that's it's probably going to be on there when whenever that comes out. But anyway, this is for PSVR. Um, I don't really know a whole lot about Moss other than it's another one of those um, Astrobot Rescue Mission S games that people say is a really good VR title, and so definitely one I'd like to check out if and when I get a PSVR. But uh, at that point, that's not now. So, um, yeah, cute character and stuff. Anything about Moss strike yeah. you? That's my takeaway as well. I didn't play the first one, but the first one did stand out as one of the more like appealing looking games. It's kind of like an RPG in VR, which like typically I think I tend to stick to more as a more like arcadey kind of like. Um, super hot and like beat saber and like those kind of games are, are what appeals to me more in vr i don't think we're quite at the point where like i want to be playing big rpgs and stuff um but moss is adorable it looks really good two looks like you just a better version of the first one so yeah, yeah if i had a same. vr this would be like an easy purchase um but i don't i don't yeah, have psvr yeah. So, yeah, so maybe one that. day. That's that. Yeah. So after that, we saw Arcade Ageden, which was a pretty cool game, actually. Looking coming from Ilphonic, they're the ones that made. Um, what are they? I think they've done a lot of like co-op shoot, like De Left for Dead type stuff. I think. So this one mm -hmm. is a is a loot chaotic like loot based shooter kind of third person game. I think it's an early access on PlayStation right now, actually. Um, if you guys want to yeah. try it, but it looks it looks really fast paced and actually like maybe a lot of fun question mark as long as it feels good to control and there's some fun weapons in there but there's a lot of like different stages with different looks to it different weapons to pick up and it's three three player pve um kind of kind of along the same lines as, as like a um risk of rain type game is the vibes i got from it uh okay. so it looks yeah, pretty cool yeah that, that checks out you know the note i wrote down for this and i was like was i in a fever dream when i wrote this but it also kind of <laughs> tell me if it makes sense but i wrote this looks like splatoon if splatoon was a normal shooter you know what instead you... of paint <laughs> you're so right about that that's the vibe i got from it too it definitely has like a splatoon-esque yeah, art it's style got that kind of like art subway like um rebellious but also like kid-friendly kind of aesthetic and vibe to it but then instead of like the the paint game it, it's just like a shooter and, and there's loot aspects so like i think like what would make this game interesting to me would be like couch co-op mm -hmm, i think mm -hmm. it would be like fun if you could sit down and like split screen with some friends and like sort of just if it's arcadey and just kind of fun and over the top that sounds good yeah. uh, i don't know how much i would see myself just sitting down and playing this um yeah it looks like it's not defining a genre of any kind necessarily but it looks like for people that are kind of into some co-op third person fast-paced kind of shooting there's like slide mechanics you seem to move around with a decent bit of speed um you know just just anyone who's into that kind of loot loop kind of thing especially if you have a couple friends you want to play with it looks like it'd be fun yeah so. i think so it doesn't every not every game has to be like this big influential like you know, a creative risk. Like sometimes you just want like a game that's like, all right, it's fun to put in a couple hours and like I can go on my day. So yeah, it, it looks cool. And the, the name's cute too, Arcade Dead. <laughs> yeah, I like, like that. it. I like it. A little <laughs> tough to say, uh, but you know, it's yes. all good. Um, next up, Tribes of Midgard. I feel like we saw this game so much during E3. We, it was yes. just in every single presentation. Um, I feel like this is an interesting game because it's, I, I think I should be more drawn to this than I am. 
if that makes sense. Like there's just something about it. I don't know if it's the graphics or like maybe I'm getting a little bit tired of the whole like Norse mythology type thing just because it's done so well in games like God of War. It's like, do I really need? And then you get all the Marvel stuff, you know, like, do I really need to go mm-hmm. to this kind of setting again? I'm, I'm not so sure about it, but it, it reminds me a lot of something like Don't Starve if there was a bit more combat involved in it. Okay, um, yeah, I mean, I the co-op aspect is it's kind of cool, but I don't I don't think this is the one for me personally yeah what what what's cool about this game stands out to me is it's something up to like nine or 12 players um that you co-op with so like it's quite a large group of people and so i think maybe like if that's a niche that you're you're looking for there probably aren't very many other games that accommodate that and you got that really tight-knit group of nine friends that are just digging and itching for that co-op experience yeah Right, I was like, oh, that's kind of strange. And I was thinking, like, you know, like if you're you're in a group, like I would say, even like a WoW guild or like that kind of thing, and they're like, oh, not everybody's like free on Tuesdays because we raid on like Thursday, Friday, but like nine people are. So we like, I think like that game is maybe for like those kind of people that have like larger online groups. Yeah, yeah, or like groups um, of friends that have been playing a lot of Fall Guys or Among Us or something, and they kind of have this yeah. group of ten or fifteen people that get together, whoever's free, but they're getting a bit tired of that. So maybe something like this is the next thing for those bigger yeah. groups i guess i yeah but i'm with you on that like kind of on on paper it all sounds good but like it just i don't know maybe i'm fatigued from just seeing it so many times like oh it's tribes of midgard again um but That's i yeah, got something just, to do with it it just doesn't stand out so much to me like it just reminds me of like i don't know just to sort of it just is, I'm very neutral towards it, I guess. Like, it's not something that I would ever feel like opposed to playing, but it's also not something I feel like I would, you know, be calling the guys up for. So, no, that, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, same, same. Yeah, thing. I don't know. It's, it's in a weird, muddy spot for me, this game. And I just, I can't quite put my finger on it or or gain the motivation to put my finger on it <laughs> yeah. it, it might be uh yeah it's just one of those things there's just so many quality games coming out these days it's, it's i feel like it's destined to maybe be left i think that's behind. the problem like there's so many games like i remember playing really fondly as a kid and it's like i would just would never play them now because i just i have to be so much more strategic with my free time and, and mm-hmm. maybe that's mm-hmm. like one of the sad things about you know, being an adult is that you, you've got to make like sacrifices and you can't just settle for good because you only have time. You can't, you don't have time to do all the greats. And yeah, so right. I think this one kind of falls by the wayside of like, you know, if I was in like high school still, like my, maybe my friends and I would have played this. Cause like, what the hell else are we doing? But maybe right. not now. Yeah. Well, <laughs> speaking of, speaking of that kind of sentiment, I feel like that is also the destiny of our next game, which is fist forged in the shadow torch, which is, I, to me, the only way I can describe this is what you know that game Bio Mutant that just came out with. Like, yes. Yep. You know, like it's got that anthropomorphic type of animal kind of character. It's like it's like what if that game was a was a two D side scrolling action type of thing instead of a three D three D game? It's like mm-hmm. this is the game with the the bunny with the mechan- mechanical arm. It it's a side yep. scroller. You're kind of doing. I guess it looks like a lot of aerial combos and stuff, which actually looks mm-hmm. kind of fun, but. I don't know. It's just another one of those, like, you know, if this came to PS plus in the future, if it ever does come to PS plus, like I'll, I'll probably check it out, but it doesn't draw me in the characters and the the world doesn't particularly do a whole lot for me. So, um, it looks cool, but again, like kind of just, the the art is really good. Like the fur on those animals is really impressive looking. Um, and I kind of felt like that for the first half of the trailer. I was like, yeah, it's kind of like a 2D, like, oh, maybe it looks a little, like, hack and slashy, like, oh, not a big combo person. But then there was a boss fight, and it was almost like a bullet hell. And I was mm, like, true. hang on. I'm all, and all of a sudden, like, I'm paying a little more attention. And so, like, 
I don't know exactly what it is, but I think it's it's just like I was so surprised by that. And now I, I feel like I've got a curiosity about this game. And like, I don't know, it just kind of struck me. Maybe I've just been in the mood for like a bullet hell or like one of those like kind of more arcadey sort of like. True games but like yeah this one like it looked good it looked good this is so far i think the one i'm i'm most likely to pick up oh interesting wow okay yeah. I, to me like I'm, I'm not saying i'm for sure i for sure wouldn't check it out like obviously ps plus mm-hmm. different story but to me it's like there's some really actually cool looking mech suits and stuff later on in the trailer and and i'm interested to see how they play around with that because if they, if it is more of the bullet hell style stuff and um, maybe you get some interesting mechanics. Like, I'm a sucker for mechs, right? I'm a huge Transformers mm-hmm. person, all that stuff. So it, depending, like, how much they explore that and there's maybe some different gameplay styles that maybe they didn't show in this trailer or, uh, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they, they could it could up my enthusiasm a little bit more. But just from what I saw in the trailer, it looks, like, fun. But it's it's one of those, like, 7 out of 10 games, which is great for the people that want it, but it's not going to get yeah. to the top of the pile ever, you know? That's um, fair. That's so, fair. yeah. Anyway, it looks, looks overall decent um next up we have hunter's arena which is uh hunter's arena legends by the way i should say because is it really a video game that comes out these days if it doesn't have the subtitle legends Um, i feel like that's just every second game but uh this is actually interesting too it's coming to ps plus august 3rd it's already been announced uh so we should definitely check this out next month for Mm -hmm. ps plus but this is a 30 person online kind of it's pve pvp i think right it's It's you're all kind of fighting each other a battle royale Mm-hmm, strangely mm-hmm. sort of like a different take on uh dishonored or not dishonored what's that uh for honor that kind of night the you know the different okay. factions of like fighters that all get together and yeah. on a team like it kind of reminds me of that yeah it reminds me of um and i couldn't think of the name of it i tried looking it up and like it just doesn't exist but it was like a game i used to play it was on the same launcher as gunbound oh i know what <laughs> you're talking like, about yeah. i dig really deep for this and it was sort of like a like a pvp and it had a couple game modes and some were just like straight up fights some were like capture objectives and stuff and you just like picked a few different classes and like just it had some i don't know it was just like fighting but like it wasn't a fighting game it was like an action combat game and it just gave me really like weird nostalgic vibes for for whatever the hell that game was that you're killing me you're killing so many years right like i know exactly where you could play the magician with the ice that would come out of the ground or you could be the blacksmith with the big axe or hammer or whatever hammer yeah there was an archer there was a ninja who was the coolest one she had like a couple cool grab attacks yep yep. it's a great game if anyone knows Um, that game let us know yeah right that one just disappeared it was lost to time but yeah it kind of looks like that and like i just i don't know i'm always skeptical about these like online like battle royale games like they're not usually what i go for but like it, this one, like, I, I definitely have to try it out. It looks like it has some potential. The combat looks kind of, like, strategic and, like, you know, yeah, like, fast-paced, yeah. like, precise timing on things. So, like, I, I'm, I've got a weird curiosity about this one. Yeah, I like the look of it, to be honest. Like, the characters look cool. If you If you were reading me a list of games coming out in the next couple of months and you read me the title, Hunter's Arena Legends, I would have, I would right? glaze over it. Right, it sounds like it. a like, mobile game that you yeah. need to, like... I would glaze over money it. to like unlock a dragon in your next combat but he, he like hatches in like seven days but if you pay a dollar he'll hatch now <laughs> <laughs> yeah right well yeah. i don't know it's better than that obviously but uh yeah we will <laughs> we will see we'll check it out next month on ps plus for sure so um mm-hmm. moving along kate i think the next game up is probably my most anticipated from this this showing well mm-hmm. arguably most anticipated this is sifu of course uh, we've seen this game before this is the one where you're playing as the kung fu master it's kind of a third a third person perspective hand-to-hand combat type of game but what they interestingly showed this time which i think is ingenious is how when you die 
uh, you actually get older. Your character becomes um, aged. So you'll die. You'll be 25. Right. You know, you'll get killed. And then the next time you, yeah. you run the game, you're like 28. And That's right. You get punched so hard. You age four years. Age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just think it's such a cool concept, right? Because this is obviously yeah. an homage somewhat to some of the, those like old school Jackie Chan type of Kung Fu movies. And I think it's really cool because one of the concepts of those type or like a trope of that kind of genre is there's always the older grandmaster guy who's, you know, old, mm -hmm. old guy, but he's still very experienced. He's so, so practiced in martial arts that he's um, you know, able to take on younger, more strong, strong fighters. And I think that's exactly what this is. Like, as you, as you age, you get more, you, you sure you die and your character gets older, but your skills are going to be getting better and you're, you're going to be more experienced at the game. And so as you get to be like, you know, in your fifties, sixties, however old you get by the end of the game, I feel like you'll be this badass kind of grandmaster going through and throwing guys mm. off balconies, like we saw and, and some cool melee combos. Like I'm really interested in this game and I, and I'm, I can't yeah. wait to check it out. Absolutely. I think this game looks great. I, I was interested in the first time they got showed off and then this time a little bit more detail. So I think it looks great. I think what will um, make or break it for me is, is depending on how it plays. If it plays kind of more like an action game, I think I'll really enjoy it. If it plays more like a fighting game with like the inputs and stuff that might mm, put me mm -hmm. out of it. I'm just not super into into that genre. But if it plays more like action based, then then definitely it's something I'll I'll try my hand at. Yeah, I see it being like, I don't know, almost like a slower paced, more thoughtful Devil May Cry or something like that, you know? Okay, yeah, I could see that. We'll see, but either way, that. near the top of my list for sure. It's mm -hmm. uh, it looks it looks really really interesting. Um, so moving along next, we're speaking of a lot of zen, these Zen games today, and and a lot of these slower paced kind of feeling games, and this is another one, Jet the Far Shore. Um, we've seen this one before too, but I think we got a bit more. Um, details on exactly what you're doing this time and it, they actually use the words like laid back to describe this one so it mm -hmm. seems very much you're kind of just going around in your ship exploring this alien world there's maybe a few little things to run from and whatnot but it mostly seems just about exploring and, and yeah learning about this, the world this to me is journey meets no man's sky <laughs> yes yeah yeah totally yeah because the flying looks like really beautiful and you're flying like above treetops and you're flying like over different like geographies and that looks just like a really nice visual experience and then yeah you land and get out of the planet and you do some researching so i think it's definitely got a, a kind of like no man's sky sort of like gameplay but then i think like the atmosphere is really more of one of the laid back like zen games like i don't think it'll be so much like because no man's sky like has an element of that but there's also like a push to kind of like go further and like upgrade your ship and like it's a little bit more of like you have kind of objectives Whereas this game kind of feels more, it's just like, no, like, take your time, explore, look at the beauty in the world. And um, yeah, it looks, yeah. looks kind of neat. I, I think, like, I don't know if it's a game I'll play, but I, I like that these games exist. Me too. And I'm interested to see how much story there is, you know, like, do those characters have a lot of dialogue? Who are you talking to? What's the development there? Or is it more just about the world itself? Like, or in the story is mm -hmm. more intrinsic, like a, like a journey or something. So interested to see. But yeah, I probably will be just you know, observing this one rather than checking it out personally. Um, next up, Kate, I don't know if you've watched the anime Demon Slayer, but we got a Demon Slayer game okay. announced, um, the Hinokami Chronicles. And this game to me, very generic cash-in for, for this anime franchise. I don't know if you feel the same, but it just looks like someone was, I don't, I mean, I don't like to be super negative, but it, to me, this looks a lot like what we would kind of see in terms of like those classic tie-in licensed games that are just kind of like, hey, let's put together a fairly generic looking third person action thing um, and put this 
popular anime skin on it and see how it does. Um, yeah, I think that's a fair assumption. I haven't watched the show. I've I've been in the room while other people are watching it, so I've I'm familiar with what some of the characters look like. And I will say that this game looks nice, but it's not as pretty as the anime. The anime is very, very pretty. Um, and this game is just nice. So uh, <laughs> this game is only nice. <laughs> Apparently, right. the anime so is really good. I've heard really good things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is where re- I'm, I'm really starting to see that I'm craving a bullet hell because I've written down that it looks like it gets kind of like cool arcade fast bullet hell. And I don't think I'm really interested in this game, but I wrote that down. And so maybe, <laughs> maybe I've <laughs> discovered something about myself and um, there might be some, some cool action games in my future for t- to talk about on the show. Um, but I don't see Demon Slayer being one of them. I think it, this is very much, if you're a fan of the anime, you're a fan of this game. If you're not interested, then um, it's not going to change your mind. Just like Naruto Shippuden. Anyways, <laughs> yes. uh, let's let's go to our next game because the next up was Lost Judgment, which is the sequel to Judgment. Uh, of course, the Yakuza spinoff. Um, mm-hmm. And this is now where Yakuza is putting its action focused gameplay because, of course, the re- the overall regular mainline Yakuza games are now turning to turn based along with Like a Dragon. Mm-hmm. So Lost Judgment is now picking up the torch um, or judgment, I guess, in general of the, the action focused games. And this this just looks phenomenal. Like, I think this is an amazingly uh, well acted game in terms of like talk is played by I think he's he's one of the bigger actors in Japan actually. So it's a, it's a pretty big deal to bring him back for a sequel. Um, I mean, amazing facial capture, great graphics, that leather jacket looks sick. Well, he's wearing it. Um, and the, I mean, the game just looks awesome. He's skateboarding. He's doing a bunch of those classic Yakuza style mini games. Um, I mean, I, I haven't actually finished judgment yet, but I completely plan to, and I, I'll eventually definitely play this because yeah, it just looks awesome. I agree. I think this is the clear standout from the from the presentation for me. Uh, I haven't played Judgment yet, but I really want to. And that whole series um, for Yakuza is something I, I really want to get into soon. Um, I just love like the juxtaposition between the really like serious, intense like crime story drama, and then the second half of the game is that like, you're just doing weird shit in mini games, and like it's so <laughs> weird and bizarre. And, you know, I will say I saw that skateboarding and I, I wanted to cross it off my list because how dare you? <laughs> Tony Hawk. Um, <laughs> exactly. But it looks so good that I think I'll get over it. And uh, I definitely have some pressure to play the first game now. Yeah, you should. I'll lend it to you. I'll lend it to you. Um, anyways, <laughs> let's. Uh, what do you think of Death Stranding Director's Cut? Um, I mean, I think it's, it sounds good i think it sounds like they've addressed some of the concerns that people had because um so the director's cut it's got a remaster it's got ps5 upgrades um it's got new content in terms of like um stuff like guns and and stuff for fighting and then also equipment for traversal and And so i think and some new missions yeah so they've they've done a good job it looks like a great place to jump in if you didn't play death stranding or i guess just some nice quality of life or if you did and i think it almost seems like a lot of people found the game kind of slow or boring and like it had that joke of like oh it's a walking sim and so i know a lot of people loved it but i think a lot of people were just sort of it's uncomfortable divisive, right? it's with divisive. yeah a lot of people were uncomfortable with the presentation and just the pacing of the game so i think some of these things like especially the new traversal mechanics might kind of just speed it up a little bit for the people that are less interested in the very like slow methodical 
like immersive yeah, kind of like trudge through the game experience so i think they've done a good job of kind of like adding in some some exciting flashy bits and then also kind of adding in some stuff that's like you know like this this will sort of help you if, if that was something that was a concern in the first game um so i think it sounds good i still am kind of on the fence about if it's a game i would play i have um, a weird morbid curiosity about this game i i've never yeah. really played it i've never really looked too much up about it though either because I have this weird thing in the back of my mind where it's like, I am going to play this one day, whether it's the director's mm -hmm. cut or I just pick up the original uh, version just on, on cheap or something like that. Yeah. But it's just one of I, those, like I would, I usually would look up the story and a bunch of stuff about this kind of thing because it would, I, I, I just know I wouldn't play it. But for some reason, like this one for me is like, no, I am going to play this one day. Yeah. It's just, it's so weird. I almost wish that this was like something I could do like in a couple hours. Like if I could watch a Death Stranding movie or something, like I want to engage with the world, but like, I just, I don't know if I want to gamble like 80 hours on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But overall, I think this this looks really good. And like, it's, it's definitely like the definitive one I'd play if I was to pick up Death Stranding. So yeah, yeah, 100%. Uh, and finally, to close out the show, we saw the aforementioned Deathloop gameplay trailer. Uh, I guess it was more of a gameplay like sample of a, of a mission and whatnot. And, and we've seen a bunch of Deathloop at this point. I feel like it's another one of those been at a bunch of shows over the past year or so and the interesting part about this of course uh we were just talking about studio acquisitions last last seg uh earlier in the news segment but of course this game is published by bethesda and therefore is actually playstation's advertising and xbox <laughs> a future xbox game of course it's, it's exclusive for playstation for a year but then we all know mm -hmm. it's coming to game pass uh the year after that so interesting caveat there but i mean uh it looks cool right like i i really think that this looks like it truly has one of those approach each situation how you want to kind of feelings to it a lot of games make mm -hmm. that claim and then realistically there's only you know one or two really viable routes unless you're very mm -hmm. specific or or you know a very advanced player but this this one legitimately looks uh quite flexible in terms of how you want to tackle different situations so i'm interested to check this out um although now that i mentioned before i have the xbox i probably will wait till it comes on game pass next year because <laughs> i mean why not right there's so much else to play but i i think this looks cool yeah i think this is neat and i don't know if um i just missed some of the other death loop or if i just had this like the wrong expectation of it in my mind but like i watched this and i just really saw it in a different light than i had previously and it genuinely looks really cool like it made me think of like a fast-paced action hitman Yes. kind of thing because the gameplay they showed off is like you're trying to assassinate a high profile target but you don't know how to access them or even necessarily like where they're gonna where they're gonna be at any time like there might be you know a couple they're wearing a mask and like you know seven people are wearing that mask which one's yeah. the actual target and so you need to kind of like sneak around find some intel out and then figure out how you're going to approach the situation which is very hitman that's the whole philosophy of like playing the hitman games but instead of using like um stealth and more like um switching your outfit and things like you're kind of going in a bit more guns blazing in this game like you definitely can stealth sections it seems but it also seems like the combat is a big focus yeah um but what's really cool is the loop mechanic and so every time like you go a little bit further you learn a little bit more and then you die you go back to the beginning at the start of your loop but now you have all that information that you learned from your previous time and so you'll approach it a little bit different i think that's a really like organic and interesting way of doing progression for a game like this 
Yeah, I, I agree like, completely. Yeah, it, it does have some like abilities and upgrades. I think once you like get back to your body, you can upgrade a little bit. So it does have like more statistics, stats kind of um, upgrading as you go. But I think a lot of it is just like trial and error kind of kind of gameplay, which I think is really a fun idea. Um, and then mostly just like the effects are amazing in this game. Like it's got such mm-hmm. a cool stylish art style. Like every like the ammo coming out from gunshots and like he had like a bomb he threw and electricity like zapped all out of it like it just it looks so cool this game like it it really has nailed this art style which is funny because you can really see um oh what's the game it's blanking on the name with corvo um that they made before with corvo corvo's you're the main character it's um dishonored Dishonored, yeah. You can see Dishonored in this game so much, but like it's so stylized in its own thing. But like you can very, very much tell that this is the studio that made Dishonored. Absolutely, yeah. I I think that's it's it's made me want to go back and check out Dishonored now as someone that's never <laughs> tried it because I just want to see. I'd I'd love to have that perspective going into Deathloop in the future. And yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you've said. I think it's cool how um, you're kind of having that side conversation with the whoever's on your headset at the same time, like mm-hmm. kind of to build the story at the same time is so you don't have to necessarily interact with a lot of characters face to face and you're getting that story while you're also actively working on your mission mm-hmm. so that you don't have to be really, it doesn't, won't affect the pacing maybe in the same way as if you had to go have a cutscene with, you know, whatever character. Because the the crux of this definitely is exploring the map where are the weapons um whose conversation can i overhear to gain intel um you know mm-hmm. where where am i going to start attacking these guys from to give myself the best advantage and and really like intimately learning the environment i feel is going to be the the draw of this for sure like learning how to do things in a different way and i think for me like what's going to be the biggest determining factor of how much i like this game because i'm sold on the concept and the world and everything it's just going to be how smart is the ai because yes. if if they're really yeah. reactive to like the things you're doing and the strategy you're trying to to uh, accomplish, but they the AI is is you know like kind of stupid and you're able to really manipulate it and kind of cheese it, I think it would maybe be less enjoyable. But if if they end up being really smart and like you know we always praise the Last of Us too about how smart the AI AI was like there or Hitman even like a great example you brought up they're known for very intelligent kind of AI systems like if this if this kind of has something on that type of tier, then I think it could be a very special. Yeah, I I agree. I think that's going to be the most satisfying moments because if you come up with a plan and you do something, but then it has a consequence that you don't anticipate. And so guards, you know, react in a certain way or somebody sees you and and they have to, you know, they, they react accordingly. I think those are going to be the most memorable moments from a game like this. Because it's like organic storytelling. And that was something that happened because you made that decision. Mm-hmm. And, and I think like those are those are like what's really exciting, right? Like that's the kind of thing you'd be like, oh my God, like you can't believe what happened to me in Deathloop yesterday. And you'd be wanting to tell your friends. And like right. those are those feel like such satisfying moments because they're really unique to you. And they really feel like you, the player, are involved in this game. And you're not just watching a story play out. Exactly. And you can show off your personality too. Like I, I tend to go for more of a stealthy type of thing and, and then wait until it all blows up and then get into the action. But a lot of other people would be like, you know what, fuck it. I'm just going to take this gun I found and walk in the front door and gun everyone down. And, and I mm-hmm. think that's a really cool juxtaposition. And, and they, it seems like you'd have the flexibility 
to do kind of either play style. Yeah. To me, that's really attractive. I think so. And and the other thing I got to call out, which is a really cool mechanic and I like, is that there's that other person that starts hunting you uh, throughout the game. I don't know necessarily, like there's going to be a trigger for it. They're not always there. I don't know whether it's you hit a certain point in the mission or a certain time, of time yeah. goes. Yeah, there, there's some kind of... Um, some kind of um some kind of thing that it. happens it triggers yeah bugs. there's 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 a good word for it but anyway there's something happens it check it um checks off a text box and you now are getting hunted by an invader who's trying to stop you they're another agent and what's really cool about this is that they can be a an ai controlled character or they can be a human invader that's coming to stop you very so bloodborne-esque very souls. yes yes it's very souls i got very excited about this little detail and i think that is just such a smart and cool mechanic because it really adds to that kind of like exactly what we were saying before about the organic like consequences and so there's such a pressure with like we don't know who this person is you don't know where they are you don't know how far they are in the map or like you know what kind of route they're gonna take so i feel like it's really gonna keep you on your toes and really change how each run mm -hmm, feels mm -hmm. because like it's an unpredictable element that is going to be totally different each time through and so those are going to lead to the same kind of like hectic like you know one one in a million kind of scenarios that just happen and are unique to you and that is such a cool thing about that only games can do in terms of like media and and entertainment so yeah i i love that detail it really adds to that whole water cooler conversation thing of like, oh, mm -hmm. I try, I stealth that level. What did you do? Oh man, I stealth it too. But then halfway through, this other assassin showed up and was really aggressive, and they just kept, mm -hmm. you know, it made drew me out into the open. And then I was in this huge gunfight, and and like, whoa, I never had that experience. Like I, I, she never showed up for mm -hmm. me. I completed it and assassinated the person and never had a trouble. And then yeah, just very unique, very cool. Yeah, and um, hopefully it works thing. well and and everything and and uh, yeah. And so see, it comes out on September fourteenth, which is pretty soon. Um, yeah, did give us release dates? So I I'm definitely interested. Um, we'll we'll see. I think it depends on what else I've got going on at that time. Um, but mm -hmm, it's definitely mm -hmm. something I. It, it's more of an inevitability of of when, not yeah. If. yeah. Um, yeah. but one other thing I want to shout out just because it it put such a big grin on my face is the main character. At one point, he's like fed up with talking to that person in his headset, and he's like, and he says the probably one of the best quotes in gaming is. He's talking to him. He goes, I, "I'm being chit chatty when I should be killing motherfuckers." <laughs> and it's like, what a line! Like what him already. Absolute... Like him already. Yes. He's well, yeah, that was the state of play. That was uh, that was the show. So overall, I would say, yeah, like you know, maybe not a lot of um, crazy, you know, off the wall announcements. Everyone's always hoping for like, wow, that game came back. That's crazy, you know, but. But mm -hmm. um, they showed us some really strong stuff. There wasn't really too much. I mean, there's really almost nothing in this whole presentation overall that I was like, this was really boring. You know, check your check your phone in, in the middle mm -hmm. of one section. Like, I mean, Tribes of Midgard, sure, we've seen a bunch. But overall, I would say everything in here is going to hit for someone for sure. And like, especially like Deathloop and, and Sifu and Lost Judgment, like some of the bigger bigger games in here, like, man, they're going to be mm -hmm. popular. So yeah, yeah overall, overall I think really good presentation, yeah. Good show, good show. Well, that draws us towards the end of the episode, but we're not quite done yet, Kate. Of course, it is time for listener mail. Okay, oh, we want to thank Ashley for sending in a fun question. Um, she's asked, if you could be the protagonist for any game, who would you be? Uh, and alternatively, who would be the best, best villain to be? 
Very fun question. I feel like um, this is a classic question for really, it doesn't have to be games. It could be like movies and stuff too. But yeah, thank you, Ashley, for the question. Very good one. Um, let's see. For me, protagonist, we'll do protagonist first, right? And then we'll okay. go for our villains after. Um, for me, right? Easiest answer. I'm sure it came in your head too. Who wouldn't want to be a Pokemon trainer, right? Like that's, that's yep. just the coolest thing ever, but it's too easy. So I didn't go with it. And I've dug into the little box a little bit, a little bit deeper, not super deep, um, but it is a PlayStation show, of course. So I decided I would like to be Nathan Drake because <laughs> listen, this dude. Okay. First of all, good looking guy. He's likable. Mm -hmm. He's he got that neck, you know? He's got that big <laughs> neck from the mobile long game. Neck. <laughs> long neck from his mobile game. You know, he's got a lot of friends. He's got some love interests. He is just a likable guy. He gets to travel the world on a seemingly endless budget to all these exotic, unique places, like beautiful areas of the, mm -hmm. of the planet. Um, he gets to be played by Tom Holland in the upcoming live action movie. Right? What is you're not also like? Spider-Man. Like, you're also wow. Spider-Man, technically, in that way. So yeah, Nathan Drake for me, like, you know, his he's... Uh, yeah, he he he's just an all around good dude. Uh, who doesn't want to be Nathan Drake? You know, travel the world. That's a that's a fair one. Um, and he gets to play Crash Bandicoot. He has a PS One in his house. Like that's he that does. Shows up yeah, as, when he's you gonna know, relax. So, I mean, when you're not traveling the world, you can play some PS One classics. You know, it's perfect choice. <laughs> I like it. Um, I think I always take these questions way too literally because I always think like, oh, that's a really cool world. Oh, it's really dangerous. I just die. And so that eliminates 99% of games. It's like, oh man, like what a cool like fantasy world to be in. Like there's dragons and magic and like, oh my God, I'd be a peasant and I'd die. So like, <laughs> yeah, right. There's no I centralized always, like, heating in my, in my house. In yeah, Skyrim. exactly. It's like, oh man, I really, I make sure I have a shower every day. I don't think I'd be comfortable if I didn't. And like, I take it way, way, way too literally. So I go Pokemon at the start and then I go, oh my God, everything would be horrible. But I think I've settled. I would like to be in Wizard of Legend, the game I spoke about on the first half of the show, <laughs> because I would get to be a cool as fuck mage. But also, um, that's sort of just like a weird thing you're teleported to. And you're just a normal person otherwise, living a nice life, going to the museum with your friends. And every now and again, you can just pop over, do some magic, pop back out. It's not, it's maybe not dangerous because it was like, a, like, you know, in the past or like a weird alternate reality kind of situation. So I think that's going to be my loophole, <laughs> like okay, safe, okay. but also cool. <laughs> Very interesting. Hopefully you enjoy the museum. You can go there a lot. That'd yes, be, be kind of fun. I think I would. <laughs> That'd be kind of fun. Um, what do you say about your, your uh, villain? This is, this is the interesting okay. one to me. Well, this, this, I have the same problem with the villain. I'm like, well, this is really cool. But like a lot of villains that are really interesting are like, you know, really tragic or they're in really like horrible, like ruinous situations. And it's like, oh man, it sure would be like a lot of the really cool villains are like, oh, but like, you know, they live in some like desolate, like post-apocalyptic world. And like, that would super suck. Yeah, this, this dark evil cave with like no comfy chairs. and Yeah, no <laughs> exactly. So I kind of have like a real answer, but I thought the funny answer I thought of originally that I just, I really want to shout out is am I one of like, what game would you like protagonist? I thought of Animal Crossing as well because- Oh my God, Tom Nook. And <laughs> yes. So I thought the villain, I was like, who's the villain of Animal Crossing? And it's Tom Nook. And I think that like, you could just be some like guy who like sells people houses and collects debt, but you live in this like beautiful little island. <laughs> <laughs> and you're Tom Nook. But then I was thinking, I was like, well, Tom Nook's technically not a villain because Nintendo's gone to great lengths 
to like right. rectify and say that Tom Nook actually is a really nice guy. He like volunteers in his spare time and he like donates all of the money he gets from from like your loan payments. So they really like tried hard to make him not a villain. So I was like, well, a then, likely story. A well, likely like, well, story. then I know I don't necessarily buy it, but then it's like, well, who really is the Animal Crossing villain? And I was like, it's Mr. Rossetti. <laughs> you remember him? <laughs> Of course, of course. Uh, he's the guy. Yeah, he's the little guy that like pops up when you don't save your game and he yells at you. But he reams then I you thought, out, man. He does. But then I thought, like, that's a little aggressive. I don't feel comfortable yelling so much. So I've, I finally decided that I would be Octavo, oh, gonna, who, is who is the he's the villain of um, Cadence of Hyrule. So this is a really deep um, pull for me. But Cadence of Hyrule is basically it's the Zelda spinoff of Crypt of the Necrodancer. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, which yeah. is that like kind of like rhythm game um, where you like kind of fight through. I think it's more like dungeons and necrodancer, but in the cadence of Hyrule, you go across like all the different like Zelda areas. You go to like the lost woods and you go to like Hyrule castle. And so, and you have to, you play, it's kind of like a 2d or like a, like a sprite action game. But the gimmick is that you have to play your controls on beat. Uh, and so it's, it's really cool. It's a really cute game. And Octavo is the villain of that. He sort of put everyone to sleep and he's kind of trying to take over the world. Um, but he's doing so with music. And so his weapon of choice is this golden lute that he has. And I just think he's like some like weird emo edgy composer. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> just plays, he's like a weird evil musician. And I, I thought, you know, he's a lot of fun. And it's such a nice little world to live in too. There's so. worse places to live. That's for sure. Yeah. That's for sure. So. <laughs> well, you know, this was, this was an extremely easy answer for me. I, I knew this one the second I read the question. Best villain to be, right? You, you said it uh -huh. yourself. Like all the villains in games, they have these tragic backstories. They or they, if they don't have that, they live in some horrible place that's like an evil lair. Uh -huh. They want to be there, right? So you know who the best villain to be in any game clearly would be Bowser, because <laughs> Bowser, right? right? He's got a beautiful castle. Well, not only that, not only that, but guess what? Yeah, sure, you're evil, but guess what? You still get invited to the Mario Kart tournament. You still That's get to right. play all the fun Mario Party mini games. You get to go play golf and tennis. You're, yeah, like you're still completely included. It doesn't matter what you do. You steal the princess of the kingdom and, you know, all these horrible, horrible things that apparently go on with Bowser, right? He's the most evil person mm -hmm. in Nintendo. And he still gets that golf invitation, still gets that Smash Bros invitation. They don't exclude him. Like he still gets a free pass to do whatever he wants in the Mushroom Kingdom. And yeah, why would you not want to want to be part of that? You know, if you got to be a villain, you want to live the villain life and still get the benefits of being included. And so Bowser, for sure. <laughs> easy answer. That is <laughs> I I love that. That's probably the best answer. It it checks off all my boxes of like this. In, re in reality, I would just die. But I think as Bowser, I might have a chance of living and not just living but also living like relatively comfortably and like yeah i like i'm not you know i like to go out and do stuff like you know mario maybe calls him off on the weekend he's like want to go for a hike and bowser's like yeah it's a beautiful day <laughs> yeah. i i love it i think that's definitively my favorite answer for this question perfect okay i'm glad well if you have a good answer of uh what villain or hero you'd like to be from a game please let us know circles and squares pod at gmail.com of course, you can also get in touch with us on Twitter at CNSPod. Uh, all of us is, of course, in the description. Please get in touch. Send us your emails. Let us know your answers. Or just ask us any questions about the games we might be playing also because we love to answer them. Uh, we do a listener mail at the end of every show. So again, um, thank you everyone for listening and we'll see you on the next episode of Circles and Squares.
The intro and outro music for Circles and Squares was produced by friend of the show Matthew Chan. Interlude music is from Scott Grattan of the Free Music Archive. Our channel art was created by at Unreasonable on Twitter, and our brother Alex is the designer of the Circles and Squares logo. Thank you all for listening and supporting the show.